Hey, good morning everybody and welcome again. And uh, I've got to say, recently, or yesterday in fact, me and my wife were reminiscing about a time where we used to be able to travel. We went to Venice, when was it? It was about uh, 10, 12 years ago or something. We, do you remember the times when you could book a Ryanair flight for 1p? Um, either way, we had a great time. And so we were dating at the time. We went off to Venice and uh, we flew out there. Now, she had been before and so she was a confident traveler and I like to plan. I don't know what you're like on holiday, but I love to have everything in place. I know where I'm going, what I'm doing. And there was a lot to cover and we were going for one day. And I remember her saying to me, look, just trust me. I was like, okay, fine, I'll leave it to you. And so at 6.30 a.m., there we were at Luton Airport, ready to fly. We flew out, we landed, we got that bus that takes you all the way to Venice. We got off the bus and I said, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? And so we went for a walk. We walked past St. Mark's and she said, there you go, that's, that's that, carry on walking. I was like, what do we mean to carry on walking? What, what are we doing? She goes, just trust me, it's fine. And so I did, I followed her and we went through these random places, jumped on a boat and suddenly we ended up in this other little island off the t uh, at the end of Venice um, where it was a nice open beach and the sun was shining, it was glorious. It was such a beautiful scene. We jumped on a pedalo, we spent an hour out there and I said to her, look, I love this, this is amazing, but, uh, but I wanna see Venice. I wanna see some authentic Venice. And she said, don't worry, just trust me, it's fine. And so we jumped on uh, a boat, we got somewhere else, we walked through these lovely marketplaces, went to a nice cuisine, and we had uh, just a wonderful day. But then I was again, oh my gosh, you know, the time, the time, we've got to get back, I don't know where the bus is, how are we going to get there? And she says, just trust me, it's fine. And so we, there we go, we, we ran through streets, we ran through over bridges, past crowds, we went down alleyways, I just had no idea where we were going. And I was saying, we're going to make it, we're not going to make it. And she said, don't worry, just trust me, and we carried on running. And then just when I was starting to panic a bit too much, and then we turned this corner and there was the bus, soon to leave, bear in mind, but we got there. And I remember sitting on that bus going, what an amazing day. Not only did I get to send my friends photos on a Tuesday afternoon while they were in the office of me sitting on a beach, but also we just had the most magnificent date and wonderful experience. You know, I love that time, but I do think about that and I think how much better, just think how much better would that have been if I just relaxed from the start and did what she said, which was just trust her. If I gave it to her, if I relaxed with her, remained with her, if I just abided with her in that moment, how different that day would have been. You know, the last, uh, last week, Mark kicked off a brand new series uh, talking about abiding in uh, Jesus. Now, someone, when I said that to them, they saw, I thought I was talking about Abiden, our future US president, uh, if Trump unlocks the door and lets him in. But we're talking about abiding, uh, abiding in Jesus. And as it says in John 15, he is the vine and we are the branches. And when we abide in him, when we rest in him, remain in him, we're connected to him, relying on him, his life flows through us and we can face any weather and bear fruit and this is not just any fruit this is fruit that will benefit others and bring glory to God I want to pick up from verse 9 of John 15 if you've got your Bibles do open them or your devices uh, because there for me there was one word one particular word that stood out above all else and the more I thought about this word and the more I studied this word the more I, I, I meditated on this word the more I realized that I have glossed over this word so many times I have underrated it I have uh, I, I have unvalued undervalued it I have missed so much insight 
and wealth within this one word that God wants to show us and reveal to us about how he relates to us. And, and it was such a change and such a word that will change how we relate to him, but also how we will relate to others as well. But before Jesus uses that word, he continues talking about abiding in him. Let me start with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, oh, there you go. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. To put it simply, the Father loves the Son. He loves him without beginning, without hesitation, without limitation. He loves him without end. His love is unconditional and pure and full. Now this is the amazing thing, is that just as the Father has loved the Son, the Son loves us. All that description is true of us. You know, in verse 13, he tells us and points to exactly how much he loves us and what we can throw ourselves and our confidence of that love upon. Verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, there is no greater measure of love than to give one's life, to lay it down. Jesus was willing and indeed did lay down his life. You know, this wasn't hyperbole. This wasn't uh, an exaggeration. This was a detailed extent to which he would demonstrate and show his love eventually on the cross, how much he would go to for the object of his love. And this is the magnificent part. And this is the word. It's who is the object of his love? And not some entity, not some ideal, not some cause, but very specifically, his friends. Now, the question is, who are his friends? Verse 14 says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, honestly, when you first look at that, it seems a bit harsh. It kind of reads like this, as long as you do what I say, we'll be friends. I mean, it sounds a bit misleading, but this is conditional, that's conditional love. But we know and we serve a God and we read a gospel uh, that says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son freely that, uh, that we would know him, love him, walk with him, experience him and be with him forevermore. So we need to find a way to read this verse differently that lines up with the rest of the gospel. You see, rather than a condition this isn't a condition, this is a confirmation of his love. Let me back up a few, a few seconds beforehand in the same kind of uh, 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 discourse. Um, in verse 12, Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, as I have called you my friend. You see, his call to obedience comes after his love is received and given. Our obedience confirms that we abide in his love. You see, obedience brings love, his love, into reality. Let me give you a couple of things. I am a British citizen, and I am entitled to all the rights of a British citizen, but I cannot experience those benefits of being a British citizen if I live in outer Mongolia. I can have a brand new surfboard. I can be excited about using it. I can have a wonderful uh, plan in my mind, but I cannot enjoy it if I stay 50 miles away from the sea. Now, I can be loved by God in every single way possible but I cannot embrace the extent of that love if I choose not to listen or not to trust what he tells me to do. I mean, how can I know that he loves me if I don't give him the chance to prove it and to show it? And so this, put it succinctly, we obey, we work for his love, not from his love. We work, uh, sorry, we work from his love, got that the wrong way around. We work from his love, not for his love. 
It's a very important, significant difference. Now, even in this section, you can already catch a glimpse of the depth of a friendship with God, what that looks like. But still, most of us would react to God being our friend with something like this. Oh, that's nice. And that's because we have lost that standard, that gravitas of what a friend truly is. Let me share to you what I've read over the last few days and studied and uh, what a friend truly is. Let me explain it in four different ways. First thing is he walks, uh, a friend is someone who walks side by side. A friend is someone who stands with us. A a friend is someone who shares with us. A friend is uh, someone who sacrifices for us. He stands, he walks with us, he stands with us, he shares with us, and he sacrifices for us. The first thing is this. A friend is someone who walks with us. Now, have you ever seen a brand new pair of lovers um, being together and watched probably in horrific discomfort how they just canoodle one another and are completely absorbed into one another? Their eyes are locked, their bodies are facing each other, the rest of the world is utterly ignored. It is just about them in that moment. It's a chemical explosion which lasts for about a month at most. And then like all chemical reactions, uh, it either evolves into something else or it fizzles out. Now this is very different from a deep friendship. You see, lovers are normally face to face, absorbed in one another, whereas friends stand side by side, absorbed in a common interest. Can I suggest this, and I speak to myself on this as well, that a lot of us still treat God as a lover and haven't walked into that friendship that he offers. We may know how to go to God, but we struggle to walk with God. Okay, now I know that sounds very much like the same thing, but it is subtly different and and it has a big difference as well. What do I mean by it? Many of us who have known God for a number of years still treat God as the lover that we fell in love with. We go to him for intimacy, for answers, for guidance. We go to him for that experiential moment. We face him and wait and sometimes nothing happens. More recently maybe nothing has happened. And so what do we do? We cry out. We say, God, I just feel so dry. I feel so numb. Just take me back to my first love. We've made, many of us have prayed that prayer. Let me relive that first experience I had with you when I first met you. But God is leaning back in and saying to us, it's time for our love to grow. It's time for our love to evolve, to flourish beyond that teenage love to a more life-giving sustenance. Now, don't get me wrong, joyful intimacy is crucial to a healthy relationship, but it cannot be the only thing. If we try to hold God in that place and keep that thing alive and don't let him lead the rest of the relationship, we aren't letting him show us what he's capable of, nor do we fully experience that life with him. Do you know that people who simply want friends for the sake of wanting friends will often struggle to make friends? The very condition for having a friendship is that you will want something else, that you are looking for something else besides just a friend. You're heading in the same direction, you have a shared goal, and you find someone to walk with. 
And that's why our longest friends are often from places like school or uni, from work or NCT groups, from fitness classes, gaming, and of course, uh, from church. Now, that may not stay and remain as the shared goal with all of you, but it starts out as that, and that's where the friendship is formed, to that common goal. Without that common goal, we struggle. You cannot have a travel buddy if you're not traveling anywhere. Yet Jesus is not inviting us to yet another intimate moment for the sake of an experience, but to a marriage with him that overcomes any obstacle, that can face any trial, can endure any suffering, and can take you to new places, build you up as a person, multiply in affection and explode in joy. He has a purpose for you, he has a purpose for me, and he has a purpose for our life with him. Once you agree to that shared vision and that he, which is calling us to, you can start that journey together, and that's when a friendship becomes possible. You know, the higher the stakes, the goal, the deeper the friendship is. So I was listening to a podcast recently and I heard about this thing in Canada called the, an initiative called the Group of Five, Groups of Five or G5. Now this is where a collection of people or families come together and adopt a refugee family. Five families or more will put in thousands of dollars for that refugee's family's travel, visa and place to live when they arrive. They take full responsibility for their new lives. They embrace them with food, they take them shopping, they show them around, they put them in schools, they fully set them up for life in Canada with the idea that after six months that they are so they are self-sufficient employed and part of society now I remember listening to this and thinking that's an amazing thing but the thing that hit me was as the lady was describing it afterwards she said the thing that was the biggest takeaway wasn't just the family that they impacted of of course that was huge but the biggest takeaway was the people they got to share that experience with the genuine friendships that had formed with these other in some cases unknown families all because they were walking side by side you know, if we're friends with Jesus, it's because we have chosen to share the highest call with the greatest stakes. Our very lives have been offered on the line. As Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, um, who says in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17 to 20, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And we, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The first indication of friend, of walking with a friend, is that you walk side by side, that you walk with each other. The second thing that we look for, that we see in a friendship, is someone who um, stands with us. In short, they're always there. On the end of a phone, it's easy to grab a coffee with them. They're not always booked out for the next nine months. You can actually see them at some point. And when you need them, they are there. 
You know, when my uh, youngest daughter, five-year-old daughter, broke her arm uh, a day before we went back to school in September, a horrendous experience, um, she, uh, we, we had a small number of friends who were immediately on the end of a WhatsApp group praying for us. Um, well, I, I was off to the hospital, so they came and brought stuff to the hospital. Uh, a couple of them looked after the kids. They were just there for us in an instant, in a moment. That's what was amazing, and they truly are amazing people and amazing friends. But more than just being there, friendship is when people know all about you and like you anyway. It's not just about being present, it's about being involved and engaged in your life and saying, look, I know everything about you and I still like you. I love uh, how one of my friends puts it, it says, we've been friends far too long and we know way too much about each other to ever stop being friends now. I think that summarized it brilliantly. Uh, and that's unconditional acceptance. I love it and it has proven itself over many years. In other words, they stay, they stay. They're not driven off. They choose to forgive when they've been offended. They don't buy into this cancel culture which dominates the news at the moment. This is where you think that someone is utterly amazing, is wonderful, and then suddenly one story comes up about them doing or saying a silly remark or, or doing something silly or stupid, and then suddenly you, you write off every good they've ever done and just think they're a horrible person and want nothing to do with them. We see this in the news way too much, and it's unfair and, and just heartbreaking, really. But Jesus demonstrated uh, his love, his friendship, in a way that offended other people. You see, the Pharisees would come alongside Jesus and alongside other people and say, oh, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He made it so, uh, they made it so awkward and uncomfortable for him, saying, that, what are you doing? Don't you know what these people are capable of? But Jesus did know what they were capable of. He knew them very well because he was hanging out with them. He knew what they did, and yet he still loved them as friends. You know, understand this. And when Jesus comes into our life, he doesn't lower his expectations and expect less of us as people and let us and them continue to live destructive lives. He just loves us more. In other words, Jesus doesn't lower his standards. He raises his grace. Jesus doesn't lower his standards, he raises his grace. He remains with us, he stands with us through everything. So that's number two. Number three is this, a good friend or a friend is someone who shares with us, and this is through transparency and vulnerability. Check out this amazing verse in, um, what is it, verse 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Psalm 25 verse 14 says this, the Lord confides in those who fear him. If you can use another translation, uh, the NLT, for example, it says this, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. I mean, confides, friends, that doesn't sound like the same thing, and yet it's exactly the same word. What it's saying and what's entwined in scripture is to confide in someone is a trait of a good friend, a biblical friend. It's transparent and it's vulnerable. They share, they don't just share anything that they share with everyone else, uh, but what they do is they share things with you that they might not put on Facebook. Things that are closer to them, intimate to them, that's transparency with you. And it may be there are, it may even alter their view of you if you were to share something with them. That's vulnerability. If it changes the relationship, changes how they might perceive you, that's vulnerability. 
Perhaps it's about being honest about something, about how you feel about a situation or something that hurt you. And perhaps uh, you might say things uh, that may impact the relationship. So you say, hey, do you know what that thing you said? I've got to say, actually, that I, I, maybe you didn't mean it, but it hurt me. Can we talk about that? Or, you know, maybe I'm, do you know what? I'm not actually sure that you should be or we should be doing that thing. Again, can we talk about it? Can we, can, can we understand where we're coming from here? Let's, let's just have a conversation about it. The ability to stop in that moment, the ability to share how you feel, and the ability to, to be loving, but to be vulnerable, but transparent at the same time, is an incredible trait of a friend. You know, the opposite to vulnerable transparency is flattery. Flattery is when you just say whatever you think um, because you think the other person needs or wants to hear it in order to maintain the relationship that you have. But as Proverbs 29.5 says, if you flatter someone, you are not their friend. Why is that? It's because, because you're, not, you're letting them live a lie because you're choosing to leave them to get hurt. Instead, the better way of looking at this is Proverbs 27 is right when it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. In other words, and this is difficult, sometimes there is something you need to hear about yourself that you do not want to hear. You're not going to listen to it from any other counselor, from any other therapist, from another family member, perhaps. You're going to listen to it from, you're not even going to listen to it from a colleague. But if you have a true and trusted friend, you can't just ignore them um, because you know that they care about you, you know that they're intimately entwined in your life, you know that they're there for you. To say something, even if it affects the relationship, shows that you care more for that person and the relationship itself than you do for your own satisfaction, peace and feelings. That is the mark of a good friend. I love uh, Arnold Glasgow, he says this, a true friend never gets in the way, gets in your way unless you happen to be going down. You know, these two elements of a real friendship, they stand with us and stay with us through whatever happens, are important that they're, and that they're transparent. Uh, now, you get some people who are one or the other. You get some people who are there all the time in your life, but they're never really open. They've got their kind of arms folded, they're there, they're present, they're helping, but they don't really open up to you. And some are very open and yet are not there when you really need them. You know, we, we look at this and we say, a friend who lets you in, a friend is, is someone who lets you in and never lets you down. A friend is someone who lets you in and never lets you down. Which brings us to the last mark of a friendship. A friend sacrifices for us. You know, one evening a chicken and a pig, as you do, um, were talking on a farm. And when suddenly a special guest of the farmer appeared and you could hear, they could hear the farmer celebrating, rejoicing that this guest had arrived. They were so delighted for them. For this farmer, he fed them well, he treated them well. And so his joy was complete in them. They were happy for his happiness. Now come the next morning, the farmer calls out to his wife and they overhear that he wants to cook their guest a special, wonderful, full English breakfast. Crispy bacon, sausages, scrambled eggs, and all the trimmings. Well, the pig and the chicken overhear this, and you can imagine that the chicken is delighted, anything to serve my master. But then looks across at the pig and notices that the pig's face has suddenly dropped and suddenly realizes it's so long. The chicken turns to the pig and says, why, why is your face so long? Well, the pig answers, he says, look, you know, 
You, you've, you know, for this meal, for this, for this offering, you just need to pop out a couple of eggs. Maybe that's your day's supply. But for me, I'm, I'm going to have to give my whole life. I'm going to have to sacrifice it all. For you, it's a contribution. For me, it's a sacrifice. Here's the question. What kind of worship do you offer your friend, your master in Jesus? You know, many of us are happy contributing to the master's generosity, but few are willing to lay our lives down for it. And yet that's what God has done for us. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when his arms and hands were nailed wide open, he was there. And there were many times, and there were many times he could have snapped his fingers and a legion of angels would have come and saved him, brought him down, nursed him back to health, dealt with those who were over, uh, um, overpowering him. And he could have just dealt with the whole situation there, just at the click of her fingers. But he chose to do something. He chose to stay there. He chose to look down and see these people denying him, betraying him, mocking him, forsaking him. And in one of the greatest, the greatest act of love in history, he remained. He stayed there with his arms open wide, revealing his vulnerability. That was a true friend. That was love. That's what Jesus has done for each and every single one of us. And he calls us his friend saying, I have done this for you. I have loved you in this way. And I'm calling you my friend. You see, friends, they, they walk together. They walk with each other. And they don't get up and leave when they're offended. They are lovingly honest with you. They are willing to sacrifice you with, uh, for you. That is a friend. That's the proven friend that we have in Jesus. And that's a show and a demonstration of the love that he has for us. Now, I don't know if you have that kind of friend in your life. Um, few of us have that remarkable kind of friend. But if you do treasure them, they are absolutely amazing. But the bigger question here is not whether you have that friend, it's whether you are that kind of friend to people. You know, slide uh, verse 16, so it says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whoever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. Or verse 12 says this, as I have loved you, love each other. You know, we're not becoming friends with people because we just want friends. We're becoming, we're befriending people because Jesus wants to love that person. Those people, those others, he wants to love them and he wants to do it through you. Start with those that you know. If you're a part of a team or if you're part of a connect group, um, you know, uh, before, so if you're part of a team before lockdown or maybe if you're part of a connect group now, call someone who comes to mind. Reach out to them. Offer, you know, ask them out for a, a coffee after lockdown ends. Just reach out to them and see how they're doing. And if you're not in a group, you know, use this opportunity to join a group, be part of something, a part of a, uh, a, a community in that way, or even better, start a short-term connect group. You know, anyone can start a, start a short-term connect group. Uh, we say do it for three months and um, start there. You can pick a topic or you can pick a book and just read it and study it together. But most importantly and most easily, I can send you questions and I can set you up to do that. All you need to do is just be willing to do that with other people. 
Perhaps it's, it's not just um, that stuff, maybe it's also knocking on a neighbor's door and inviting them for a safe, socially distanced walk. You know, my neighbor and I actually went out and we put on a, a movie night for a Halloween so for our families and indeed for the other neighbors who would uh, look out the window. We had so much fun doing it together. Maybe it will take that friendship forward, maybe it won't, but it doesn't matter whether it does or doesn't. You will enrich their day and remind them that they're not alone. You know, there's a guy called David who lost his wife uh, of 44 years and said, I didn't feel the urge to socialize. Honestly, I, but my friend didn't stop, my friend Tony didn't stop inviting me to a group of guys who got together every Thursday for dinner. I told him I wasn't ready over and over, so he called again the next week. And again, I said, no, I really don't want to. He kept calling every week. And finally, I said, fine, I'll go, anything to keep you from calling me every single week. He says it's now been six years um, since his wife died, and all thanks to Tony, he's now been going out with, for dinner with this group of friends who <laughs> lovely call themselves uh, Romeo, which is retired old men eating out. As I have loved you, love each other. As Jesus has befriended us, let us befriend others and bear fruit in his name. Now we're uh, going to finish the service now and uh, as always there's uh, words of knowledge that the prayer team have prayed beforehand and any of those resonate with you or relate to you they're in the chat or they're on the notes section then do look at those and do hit the request prayer button. And I also want to share this word from Maria who uh, was praying for me as I was preparing this talk but also um, just felt like she heard from God. She said this, the word restoration comes to mind. And then God showed me a beautiful piece of wood, totally natural in its purest form. Then God unraveled a scene where a person, possibly in childhood, <clears throat> gets criticized for the first time. And there on the wood appeared to be a layer of paint primer. The first coat of protection. And then someone emotionally got hurt by someone. Another um, a layer of paint gets applied and so on. I then saw a layer of that coating that you put on a window that you can see but no one else can see it and then thick tiles with grout stuck firm and impenetrable. When, what Jesus does as our friend, she says, is he comes alongside of us and very gently over months, years even, over a lifetime, <clears throat> is to help us get back to that original design. Let me pray. Father, we want to say thank you. You, know, you, you called us Father, you call us son, daughter, child, you meet with us, you relate to us, you've poured out your Holy Spirit in us, you've shown your love on the cross in such a magnificent way, you've done all of these things. But they are just wonderful when we put them in the light that you call us and chose us to be your friend. And Father, as we explored what it is to be a friend, let alone a friend of Jesus, Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and you would stir our minds and stir our spirits to receive you and walk with you and stand with you and love you in that way. And indeed, Father, as you have loved us, I ask that we would love others. And maybe if this is your first time that you've ever thought about or really understood Jesus as a friend and you want to respond to Jesus in that way, we'd love to pray with you. And you know, again, hit prayer requests and just say, yes, that's me. I want to become a friend of Jesus this day. For all of us, though, may we have a blessed week, 
May we know his gracious presence and his wonderful personhood. And may we thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy being with him. I ask this and bless this in his mightiful name. Amen. Mm -hmm.